making sure I'm not gonna <laughs> step on Sam's guitar here. So, um, yeah, so we're in Luke chapter 13, verses 22 to 35. Um, I was thinking about, as I was thinking about this sermon, I was thinking about, uh, well, it came to my mind uh, about how we apply for a job and that whole process. Um, and you'll, you'll see as we go through why this is connecting. But, um, you know, when you're going to apply for a job, uh, there's a number of things that you, know, you need to do to, um, to prepare yourself to, to go to interviews and all that sort of thing. Um, you have to get your resume in order. Your resume needs to look clean and be understandable, and you have to have the right qualifications for the job you're applying for. Um, and so those things definitely help. You know, if you're called back for an interview, you have to be on time. You need to be there at, at the proper time, hopefully before, so you can get rested and, and ready to interact with people. Um, you need to be dressed appropriately, so, um, and you usually need to overdress what you think the job is gonna dress for. So. It's always good to wear, you know, a nice button-up shirt or maybe even a suit if, if necessary. And so, um, and you also need to be you know, genuinely excited about, about being a part of this company, potentially, that you're interviewing for. You need to show some enthusiasm that, that you're there and that, that you want to pursue this job. And so there's a number of things that go into, you know, getting a job and, and pursuing a job. Um, and for me, that... You know, I, I did all those things when I was in Boston looking for a job, and um, while I was there, one of the things that, that helped me get a job was actually, was actually Google. <laughs> um, so, well, uh, when I was applying for jobs, I went to one of, one of these interviews. Uh, during the interview, uh, someone pulled out an article that they had, they had Googled about me uh, that was about a, a business plan competition that I won, and they said, is this, you know, is this you? And, you know, I confirmed it, and he had me tell more about it. Um, and so, so for me, you know, Google was actually a part of a part of this job process. But you know, there's a number of things that you do in order to attain attain you know a position or a job. And what we're seeing tonight is that uh, sometimes we apply those things to to pursuing a relationship with God. And what we're going to see tonight is it's very different when um, when we're pursuing a relationship with God. It does. It's not dependent upon uh, things like our resume or the people we know or you know the way we dress or our our qualifications or um, or even sometimes our excitement about things it's about it's about Jesus chiefly and only about him uh, and so often we take this perspective like we do with work or, or with life that we have to have all these things in order in, in order to get the job and with Jesus that's not the case we don't have to have our lives totally in order. We don't have to necessarily um, understand everything. We don't have to um, be super qualified to, to get it. It's only through Jesus and, and, and our faith in Him that we have relationship with God. And so it's very different from the normal thinking that we have in, 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 in our lives, like, like with the example of a job interview. Um, so that's what we're going to see throughout our text tonight is that it's only Jesus. Nothing else saves us uh, except, except Jesus. So I'm going to go ahead and read verses 22 uh, to 30, and then we'll walk through that, that portion of our text. It says this uh, in Luke chapter 13, 22 to 30. It says, He went on his way through towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. And someone said to him, 
Lord, will all those who are saved be few? And he said to them, Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, uh, and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, then he will answer you, I do not know where you, are, where you come from. Then you will begin to say, he ate and drank in your, we, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know, you, uh, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, uh, all, your work, all you workers of evil. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. And people will come from the east and west, from the north and south, and recline at the table of the kingdom of God. And behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. So throughout this text, there's a, a lot going on, but uh, I want to bring out two things. First, I think we see in this text uh, what doesn't save us, and we also see in the text what does save us. So there's really two questions we're asking. What doesn't save us? And what does save us? Um, and there are five different things that I see that, that are listed here that, that Jesus is pointing out. Don't save us. Don't bring us to God. Um, so the first thing that we see is that seeking doesn't necessarily save us. Uh, so if you look in verse 24, you know, Jesus had been asked this question. Lord, uh, will those who, well actually, let me start with that actually. Um, in verse 23, Jesus uh, is asked this question, uh, Lord, will those who are saved be few? And Jesus' response throughout the text is, uh, is really interesting. He doesn't really address that directly. It's sort of, I mean, it's sort of there, but it's very indirect. Um, and, you know, what I think he's doing, as he does many times, is he takes this uh, theoretical question and he makes it a very personal question. And that's what we see in the text tonight is that, uh, this person is, is asking this question, you know, are there only going to be few people saved? And Jesus says, that's not, that's really not important. That's, you know, what you need to be concentrating on is how you are going to get into the kingdom of God. Um, and so he redirects the question and says, you know, basically this, this question of who and how many are going to be saved, it's really a non-issue. It's not that important uh, for you to consider. What you need to consider is what is your heart like and what is God doing in your life and are you know are you one of those people um, so let me you know first say this you know, theology is important it's very important it's important for us to discuss and challenge each other and and grow in our understanding of, of theological concepts and um, and we need to we need to you know be able to do that and do that in an appropriate manner but the Bible is very clear that our uh, our study of theology shouldn't take us to a point where we start hating each other or dissenting toward one another or, or getting angry with each other about our differences. Uh, Titus 3, 9 to 11 points this out pretty clearly. It says this, But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for the person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing to do with them. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, and he is self-condemned. These arguments and questions that that tend to divide Christians, uh, you know, based on just 
theoretical and theological constructs are often more divisive than they are productive. They can be productive if we have it, and you know, if we interact around them in the in the right light, keeping Jesus at the center. But so often we get divided because of a theological difference. Um, and I think what the Bible teaches very clearly is that theology is important, but it's not worth dividing against each other and creating divisions uh, among uh, among the brethren. For um, and we certainly shouldn't uh, certain certainly shouldn't be quarreling quarreling with one another about it. That is, uh, you know, putting someone down because their particular view on, on, on an issue. Um, and so theology is important, but what is very clear uh, throughout New Testament teaching is that Jesus is more important than theology, and our recognition of him is more important than, than our uh, understanding even of that. And so, you know, what's central to all of the writers in the New Testament is that it's about Jesus and our response to him. So Romans 10, 17, for instance, says, so faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And 1 Peter, Peter says this in, in 1 Peter 2, 5, you yourselves, like living stones, are built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And John, speaking in 1 John 5, 11 and 12, and this is the testimony. God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. The central issue in the New Testament, in the whole Bible, is our response to Jesus. So uh, we shouldn't be caught up in uh, dissensions and quarrels about, about things that, that aren't about that. The central issue to the church is our response and the world's response to who Jesus is. And so that's where Jesus goes with this, this passage. When this person comes and says, uh, will the number of people saved be few? He says, don't, don't even worry about that. That's not the important issue. The important issue is how you're responding to who I am. And so we see that throughout the text. Um, so the first question again uh, is, so, so what doesn't save then and what does? The things that don't save, uh, again, in verse 24, the first thing that we see Jesus say is that we aren't saved by seeking. We're saved by striving to enter the narrow door. And it's kind of funny. The, the verse sounds like it's saying the same thing, like striving, seeking. Those seem pretty similar, but uh, we should note some differences. <clears throat> so verse 24 says this, strive to enter the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter, but will not be able. There's a difference between striving and seeking. The, the, you know, the root word for striving is to strain with every nerve. So all that you are is pursuing this thing. Um, whereas seeking, it's simply, the, the literal translation of that is, is just to look for. And obviously, that's, that's our definition of it is pretty simple. It's to look for it. Um, and so, so we see in one, in one sense, striving is, uh, is a stronger word than seeking, but also striving in the, sen in the response that Jesus gives has a, a reference. What they're striving for is the narrow door. The people that are seeking are, are simply seeking things, and they're just sort of open to the possibility of, of what's to come and, and, and the future, but... But the striver is striving for the narrow door. It's a strive into the narrow door. 
The narrow door, simply put, is Jesus. So there's a difference between the person that's striving, the person that's seeking. The person that's striving is striving to enter the narrow door through the narrow door, which is Christ. The person that's seeking is, is just looking for a way to get in. They're looking for a way to get into the kingdom. What I think is interesting that, that I saw in this was that um, the person seeking is, is seeking a way to, to do it on their own. They're not trying to go through the narrow door that's provided through Jesus. They're trying to do it on their own. They're looking for a way in on their own. And we definitely see that as we look through uh, the, next, the next few things that don't save us. So the first thing that doesn't save us is, is seeking. Seeking just uh, the entrance to the kingdom. The kingdom entrance is available. It's the narrow door. It's Christ. And we have to strive to enter through the narrow door. So the second thing that, that doesn't save us is association. Association with, um, with Christ doesn't, doesn't save us. So people aren't going to be entered into the kingdom of God because they're friends with you uh, since you're a Christian. Or they're not going to be entered into the kingdom of God because they have some association with Christ. And that's what we see in, in verse 26. Uh, verse 26 says this. Then you'll begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence. See, the people that are, that are responding to this passage is that, uh, you know, they had been interacting with Jesus for the past years and having, having dinner with him and, and seeing him around and, and uh, they had some connection with him. They were associated with him and they thought that because of this association with him that they then would, you know, be ushered into the kingdom of God. But it's not association with someone that, that saves you, um, which is, again, different than, than the world. Going back to this, uh, this job this job interview example, um, I, there's this commercial out there for the University of Phoenix, and I don't know if you've seen it, but um, this guy is going to interview for a job, and he's got these red socks on, and you're like, why does this guy have red socks on? He's got a suit, it's, you know, he's all dressed up, and it just keeps showing his red socks, and he gets to the waiting room, and there's sort of a glass door to the office that he's going to go interview in, and everyone around him is sort of looking at him because they see his red socks, and they're like, What's the deal with the dude with red socks? Like, what's going on? And you know, then he glances over in through the glass window and sees the person that he's getting interviewed with also has red socks. They were a phoenix, so he had this connection, this association. He was like, it's in the bag. You know, I'm associated with this person, and so I'm gonna get this job. And so he went in there confident knowing that this guy was also a phoenix. And so in the world, we see that very often. People see a connection, they see an association with you, you're, you're part of their network, whatever, you know, that's going to advance you in the world. Um, and what Jesus is saying very clearly here is that our associations don't help us get into the kingdom of God. It's only through Jesus that we get to the kingdom of God. It's not through the people we know or the connections we have. So our friends that you know, we're friends with all over, you know, they, they don't get to enter the kingdom of God because they're friends with us if we're followers of Christ. They only get to enter the kingdom of God if they respond to Christ themselves, if they enter the narrow door themselves. People aren't saved by association. They're saved by response to Jesus. So first, they're, you know, we're not saved by, by seeking. We're saved by striving to enter through Christ. We're not saved by association. We're saved through responding to Jesus Christ. Uh, the next thing is that 
we're not saved through knowledge. Knowledge doesn't save us. And we also see that in verse 26. It says, uh, it goes on to say, um, and we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. So you know, they had the opportunity to know Jesus' teaching and know what he was standing for and know what he was saying. And they thought that that connection, you know, would, would grant them entrance into the kingdom of God. But Jesus says, no, that's, that's, not, that's not about it. That's not what it's about. Um, knowing just simply isn't enough for a relationship. We know this, you know, just naturally. The fact is that I know a ton about Christy, and I, I knew a lot about her even before we started dating or before we, before we uh, decided to get married. Um, but knowing that information didn't help progress our relationship. We had to do something about it. So, you know, I knew she was uh, a hard worker. I knew that she um, was, was really intelligent and had good work ethic. And I knew she was the most gorgeous woman in the world. And, I, you know, I knew all these things about her. I knew she was very devoted to her faith and that she loved the Lord and that she had good friends. And so I knew, you know, I grew up, uh, we grew up knowing some of the same groups of friends. So we knew a lot about each other before anything happened. But knowing that information didn't get our relationship anywhere. What got our relationship somewhere is that I pursued her, you know, that I, that I went after her and said I took that knowledge and, and I acted on it. And so knowledge of her alone didn't create a relationship. Uh, you know, action created a relationship. And so, um, you know, knowledge doesn't save us. Just like knowledge doesn't create a relationship, knowledge doesn't save us and doesn't bring us into the kingdom of God. Uh, we have to respond to the knowledge. We have to do something with it. And so that's the same thing with Jesus. We can know a ton about Jesus. We can know when he was born, where he was born, how long he lived, when he was, you know, when he died, when he was crucified, when he was raised, you know, all that information. But if we don't respond to it, if we don't place our faith and trust in him, then it's just knowledge. It has no meaning or purpose for us if we don't respond to it. So knowledge doesn't save us. The next thing that we see in this text is that heritage doesn't save us. Um, we see this in verse 28, when Jesus is describing the, the things that the people will see when they're outside the kingdom of God. It says, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. You see, in Israel there was uh, a wide-held belief that all of Israel would be saved. And that's who Jesus is speaking to right now. He's, he's speaking to the Jews. And, um, and the basic understanding of salvation for the Jews was that all of Israel would be saved. And there were only a few exceptions to that. And those being, you know, a person that denies the resurrection, a person that denies that the law came from heaven, uh, Epicureans, which are basically, you know, they're, they, they believe in just materialism, so God doesn't have any effect on the world. Um, and those who read heretical books uttered charms and pronounced the holy name. So there were a few exceptions from uh, being saved through Israel, but for the most part, they believed all of Israel would be saved. They counted on their heritage. And even Jesus says uh, in his response that you're going to see, yeah, you're going to see people that, you know, your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you're going to see them and the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves will be cast out even though you have their heritage. So he's saying to us very clearly, heritage doesn't save us either. So association doesn't save us. Knowledge doesn't save us. Heritage doesn't save us. 
seeking on, a, on, on its own doesn't save us. Only striving through the narrow door saves us. The next thing we see is uh, that status doesn't save us. In verse 30, we see this. Um, and behold, some are last who will be first, and some are first who will be last. The fact is that um, our position in this world has no effect on our position in the kingdom of God. Um, and so we can't count on our successes in this world or our, our, the works that we do here that have given us uh, uh, influence or, or position or riches or, or what have you. Those things aren't going to matter in our placement in the kingdom of God or even our entrance into it. Status has no effect on, um, on our salvation. So Jesus is very clear throughout this passage. All these things, they don't save you. They're only things that you're trying to hang up as a hat on your own. Um, and our world exalts these things. And the, the truth is, hard, you know, uh, diligent seeking and sincerity are, are very important to our world. And, and associations and networks are, are very important in progressing in our world. And whether it be in work or academics or what have you, knowing, who, knowing people is very important. Knowledge of the position that you want to engage in is, is very important to the world, and that helps you. Um, your heritage sometimes can, can be beneficial in this world. Uh, the truth is, the, the first job I had was because my dad knew someone, you know? And the second, the second job I had, well, yeah, actually, the first two jobs I had, the first one was because I was working for my dad. The second one was because my dad knew someone. The third one was because I had a friend that worked at the, at the job. So... You know, the truth is, in the world, we depend on these associations and our heritage, and they give us position sometimes. So we count on that in the world. And status even, even plays, uh, plays a role in our world. But when it comes to being saved, we can't apply those same, those same things. The truth is, when it comes to entering the kingdom of God, there's, there's a narrow door, and it's Jesus, and that's it. All this... Um, these associations and knowledge and heritage and our status, they have no effect. It's only through Jesus. Verse 24 and 25 again tell us simply this. The door is narrow and the time is short. 24 and 25 say, Strive to enter the narrow door, for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door, saying, Lord, open it to us, he will answer and say, I do not know you or where you come from. So there's a narrow door and it's Christ. And there's a limited time. The, the door is going to be shut. You know, God is the one that opens the door and he's the one that closes it. And uh, we don't know when that door, door is going to be shut for ourselves or for this world. But he's the one over that and we have to recognize that. The door is narrow and the door will be shut at some point. I read this quote this week from uh, Mark Driscoll, and it was just about Christianity, and I, I thought it was really good and applicable here. It says, um, Christianity is inclusive. Salvation is free to all, regardless of language, wealth, or heritage. And it's exclusive. Salvation is from Jesus alone. The amazing thing about faith in Christ is that you know, it doesn't matter what our heritage is. It doesn't matter who our associations are. It doesn't matter the level of knowledge we have about uh, particular subjects. It doesn't matter about our status. 
Christianity is totally inclusive to those things. All you have to do is respond to Christ as your Savior. That's it. That's the only thing. So it's inclusive, but it's also exclusive because it's only through Christ, the narrow door. So the second question for us tonight is, is what saves? And obviously I've said it a million times, but Jesus is the only one that saves. The Old Testament message is, is clear. You know, throughout the Old Testament, we see that God saves. Um, and the New Testament is also clear, as, as we've read a number of times. The New Testament message is that God saves through Jesus Christ. And I would argue, even about the Old Testament, that it points to Christ. So Jesus is the one that saves. The Bible is very clear on that. Um, Jesus does an interesting thing in his response. A lot of times he starts this uh, parable you know, about, kingdom, about the kingdom of God or about a particular sub- subject um, and doesn't necessarily include himself. But in this one, he implicates himself within the example. So in verse, tw- verse 26, we see this. Uh, it says... Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence, and you taught in our streets. Within his example about how to get into the kingdom of God, he's implicating himself. He's the one that they were taught by. He's the one that they drank and ate with. So this isn't just some, um, some abstract example. He's saying the kingdom of God is like this, and you enter in this manner. He's saying... No, like, I am that door. I'm the one that I'm talking about. (laughs) I am the narrow door. So it's a very specific example. Jesus is implicated. It's it's more than a parable. It's it's pointing to himself as being the one that they have to go through. So we see that Jesus saved. We see that Jesus is the one that saved even, uh, even the patriarchs. It says that in the kingdom of God... Abraham and Isaac and Jacob will be there. Abraham responded in faith to God, and that was accounted to him as righteousness. Those that are faithful to the fact that God is the one that saves and not themselves, that doesn't depend on their heritage or their associations or their status, those are the ones that are going to be entered into the kingdom of God because they know that it's only through God that saves, not through any, not because of they, were, they were born the way they were or, uh, or because of their accomplishments, that it's only through God. And Abraham knew that. From the start. And the next thing we see that Jesus doesn't just save Israel. He saved beyond that. In verse 29, we're, uh, we're thankful for this verse that it says, People will come from the east and west, from the north and south, and recline at the table in the kingdom of God. It's not about our heritage. Yeah, Jesus chose a nation to represent him. And we saw that in how he interacted with him. And it's a beautiful story. But the truth is, from the beginning, it's always been about all of humanity, about Christ dying for all people. So it's not, like I said, it's not about your heritage. Jesus loves all. He's died for all. And our only way to enter the kingdom of God is to respond to his love, to respond to his sacrifice. You know, the, the thing that's important is that we know who Jesus is and that Jesus knows us. In verses 25 and 27, we see that knowing who you are, who Jesus is, is is the most important thing. In verse 25, he says, uh, Once the master of the house has risen and shut the door, and you stand outside, knocking at the door, saying, Lord, open to us, he will answer, I do not know you or where you come from. 
And again in verse 27, uh, he responds to them as they say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in your streets. He says, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. The important thing in the kingdom of God is that, that Christ knows you. The only way he's going to know you is if you know who he is and what he's done for you. If you respond to that. His disciples knew who he was. He asked them in, in Luke chapter 9 verses 18 and 20. It says, now it happened that he was praying alone and the disciples were with him. And he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say Elijah, and others one of the prophets of old that has risen. But then he turns to them and makes it a personal question and says, Who do you say I am? And Peter says, You are the Christ of God. We know that as people. We know who Christ is. It's been revealed to us through Scripture. It's been revealed to us through our experience. And we have to recognize him for who he is. Do we believe that he is the Savior, the Christ of God, just like the disciples did. So the reason we have to strive to enter the narrow door is because that in our natural selves, the, the way that we do things and the way that we accomplish things and grow and progress in life is based on these, these other steps that Jesus is pointing out, saying, these don't save you. Our sincerity, our networks, our knowledge, our family, our status. If we trust in those things, we're merely looking for a way into the kingdom of God. We're not striving to enter through the narrow door that has been prepared for us. We have to strive. We have to do it with all our effort because it's difficult. It's difficult to not rely on the things we naturally rely on. In our natural selves, we rely on our networks. We rely on our associations and our abilities and our knowledge. We rely on those things naturally. So when Christ comes along and says, it's not about all that stuff, it's about me and entering the kingdom of God through me alone, we have to strive. We have to disregard all of those things that we had in the past and rest simply in the fact that it's Christ alone that saves us. We have to strive to enter through the narrow door. Jesus, as he has this interaction, um, you know, turns to this, basically, um, his, his heart just sort of pours out for the city of Jerusalem. He, you know, the truth is he came to die on a cross in Jerusalem. And throughout, you know, in this section that we're in, we're progressing through Israel to Jerusalem. He's on a journey, as the first verse of this section said. He went on his way through the towns and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Jesus has a destination that he's going toward, and it's a cross in Jerusalem. This discussion about how many, how many will be saved and how they're to be saved raises up compassion in Christ and compels him to continue the mission that he has been called to do. So in verse 31 to 35, we see his lament for, for Jerusalem. It says, At that hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. And he said to them, Go and tell that fox, Behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow, and the third day I finish my course. 
Nevertheless, I must go on my way today and tomorrow and the day following, for it cannot be that a prophet should perish away from Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you would not. Behold, your house is forsaken, and I tell you, you will not see me until, the, uh, until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This fact that it's not about our, you know, our stuff, our sincerity, our networks, as I've said so many times, it's not about that, that it's about Jesus alone, compels him to continue on in the mission that's been laid out before him. And in the same way, we ought to allow this truth, the, the fact that it's only through Jesus that we can enter the kingdom of God, compel us to have the same compassion for the places and things that God has called us to. Christ was compelled to continue on his mission to uh, not worry about the fact that Herod wanted to kill him or that, in fact, he was going to be killed in Jerusalem, but to go on with his journey and complete the mission that was before him. And so we ought to also be compelled that since only Jesus saves, we have to be about sharing that knowledge and looking for ways that we can influence those around us with this truth that it's not about who you know, it's not about how much you're seeking and how sincere you are in it, it's about knowing Jesus and walking through the narrow door that is him. So as we close and as we move into a time of communion to just remember that together, um, be thinking about those things that it's only Jesus who saves. He, he came and died on a cross. He gave up his body that's symbolized in this, in this bread. And he poured out his blood that, that is the blood of a new covenant that restores us to the Father. He poured out his life. He, can, he was compelled to give himself for us. So as we move into a time of communion, I'll pray for us and, and then we'll uh, partake of that together in remembrance of, of what he's done. Would you pray with me? God, we do thank you that, Lord, we thank you that it's not about our heritage. It's not about our, our network or our connections. It's not about how much knowledge we have it's not about our status. It's not about even our sincerity. But it's about Jesus. It's about what Christ did. There, there is no door into the kingdom except the door that was provided by God through Christ. And it's a narrow door because there's only one way in, and that's through Jesus' death on the cross. And that's what we put our hope and our faith in. Lord, may we be compelled as you were compelled to complete the mission that is laid out before us. We honor you now by remembering that sacrifice through communion. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.